Coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, we catch up with GWS Giants and Essendon midfielder Tate Mackerel, the coach of the Wilston Grange Gorillas, Laura Kidd, plus our State League's wrap with Matthew Cox and Aaron Russell, and our London report with Mitch Scully. That's all coming up over the next 80 minutes. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. And a friendly reminder, this podcast is as a radio program Wednesday evening, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne on the RSN Racing and Sport app and by the rsn.net.au website. And don't forget our Swiss Welders VFR Women's Match of the Day this Sunday, 15th of July. We're on air at 2pm for the game of Melbourne University versus Hawthorne. Join us then. Our first guest for this week was recruited from the Adelaide University Women's Football Club by the GWS Giants in the 2017 AFLW Rookie Draft. Now, due to there being very few injuries at the GWS Giants, she didn't get a chance to play in the 2018 AFLW season, but has been retained for season 2019. During the winter, she is down in Melbourne playing in the VFLW for Essendon, where she's been one of their star midfielders. She's also a talented cricketer. Let's get to know Tate Mackerel. Tate, how are you? Good, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. And I first want to ask the question, how did someone that grew up in South Australia, was in Sydney over the summer, end up in Melbourne? Uh, it's a bit of a unique journey, to be honest. Um, I graduated high school last year and, you know, I had a couple of months where I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So I put my name into the draft to go up to... Um, New South Wales and hopefully get drafted up there and I found myself up there for six months and then again because I had the first half a year off of uni I was like oh what am I sort of going to do with myself so I thought what why not move down to Melbourne and keep experiencing what it's like to move around Australia and experience a different different style of footy down here in Melbourne so yeah it's sort of how I got here. So let's jump back a moment to the start of your footy career. I believe you actually grew up on the York Peninsula in Port Broughton. Yeah, I did. So I'm in a little country town two hours north of Adelaide um, and grew up playing all my footy there with the boys until I was 14 and then too old. So I'd have to travel to Adelaide two to three times a week to train and play in the women's comp. Um, So it was pretty taxing on the family, but, you know, parents love me, so they do what they can to make me happy. Is that how you ended up playing with the Salisbury Magpies originally in the under-18? Simply, they were the closest club being in the north of Adelaide. Yeah, yeah. So they were um, an hour closer than all the other clubs because um, Salisbury is based out north of um, Adelaide. So for me, it was easy to travel there rather than travel all the way into Adelaide an extra hour onto that trip um, just to play footy. So, yeah. Then a few years later, you would end up at uh, Morfordville Park. Yeah, so I um, eventually I moved from the country to Adelaide um, to go to school at Sacred Heart College in Glenelg. Um, and Morfordville Park was a five-minute drive from there, so that, that turned out to be my next closest club. Um, so, yeah, I played there for a couple of years, and then it's just easier. It was close to school, close to where I was living, and yeah, it was just really convenient. Let's talk about your 2017 year before we get to the draft. A massive year for you in the terms of footy. You were playing uh, Glenelg Sandful W. Uh, Sacred Heart won the uh, schoolgirls grand final in the mud. Um, yeah. you, you went to Adelaide Uni and under Chrissy Steen won the um, uh, Sawfield Division One grand final there. 
that's a heck of a year. Yeah, it was um when you think when you put it like that, it's a pretty big year. But um, I was unfortunately round two of uh season at Adelaide Uni, I broke my collarbone. So I actually missed out on nationals as well. Um, my last year of youth girls nationals, I missed out on that. Um, but luckily made a return late in the season to get back for the grand final, um, which we won under Chrissy Steen. But yeah, the summer leading into that um, at Glenelg was pretty big and that pretty well went straight from Glenelg over to um, Adelaide Uni and then pretty well straight up to Sydney. It sort of didn't stop for a while there. Now, I spotted, if I'm correct, I think I saw you in a Crows coloured top. Were you part of the Crows train-on squad? Yeah, I was. So um, season one, I was a train-on member just um, once a week to help them get their numbers up and help them train on out there. Now, before heading into the draft and the decisions you've got to make there, not only of what draft you want to go in, but also sporting commitments, because you were a pretty handy cricketer. You played at uh, West Torrens, batting average of 17.35, even bowled as well over your career until 26 wickets at a bowling average of 21.23. How difficult is that, uh, particularly in this day and age, as uh, women's sport becomes more semi-professional in cricket and football, to make that decision of you're going to choose footy, at least for now, over cricket? Um, yeah, it was pretty tough, uh, especially the, the year I sort of chose to um, go with the football um, was the year I was at Glenelg and then pretty well playing footy 12 months of the year. And it was really difficult to balance my time between footy training, cricket training, playing footy, playing cricket. Um, and I was training in the under-18 national side at that stage and I sort of just had to have a meeting and they they sort of said, if you can't fully commit, we can't have you. And I was like, well, I can't really fully commit because at that stage where I was, my passion was more towards football than what it was with cricket. Um, and so I was I was willing to go all out with my footy. And unfortunately, my, my cricket sort of had to suffer from that, um, which wasn't, wasn't ideal. I know a few of the girls juggle it, um, but it's really difficult. It's just, you know, it's not it's not great that girls have to be putting in a ridiculous amount of hours just to play the two sports that they love. Does it give you food for thought, I guess, in a, in a few years' time when Cricket have announced that the WBBL, I think it's about two years from now, will make the move from being over summer to moving to October, November. If footy stays in its window of January, February, March, will you consider looking at doing both, similar to the likes of Jess Carney, uh, Jess Duffin and Emma Carney have done? Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. At the moment, my passion, and I'm really enjoying my football at the moment, but it's one of those things you sort of can't, you know, say, I'll go there when the opportunity arises. Definitely, if the opportunity arises, it will be something that appeals to me, but it's just whether I find the same passion and the same drive that I have for footy at the moment, if I can find that in cricket. So it's all, it's all a waiting game at the moment, but if the opportunity arises, it's definitely something that would intrigue me. Now, at some stage, you had to make a decision on what draft you were going to go in. Um, as we know, with like Adelaide, teams that have uh, one team for the state, there's virtually seven spots available in the draft compared to Victoria, where there's, say, 28 spots available, at least up until this year. Um, what made your decision to throw your hat in the ring for the New South Wales draft pool? Um, so our coach at Adelaide Uni, Chrissy Steen, um, was originally from Sydney in New South Wales and had previously been involved with the Giants. Um, so 
she asked a group of us to put together some like a highlights reel and send it over um, to the Giants so they could have a look. And basically from that, we got asked to go out to a testing base. Um, so I think eight of us flew over on one weekend to go to one of the Giants testing days. Um, and basically from there, it sort of progressed. I had a few phone calls um, with the coach, Alan McConnell, and um, the club, and obviously the Adelaide Crows as well to sort of weigh up my options. But at the end of the day, um, the Giants were the ones willing to, you know, stretch an arm out and give me the chance. So um, as far as I was concerned, that was going to be the best best move for me in my football and potentially my my life and my career and where I sort of am heading as a person, not just in the football sense of things. Did they give you an inkling if they were going to take you in the draft proper or the rookie draft? Um, yeah, we had conversation around it. Um, I'm just—I was just stoked to be on the list and be um, in an AFL program and at a club with other elite footballers. So it didn't really bother me what I was labelled as, so to say. Um, to me, everyone's equal, and and that's the good thing at the Giants. Like it doesn't matter—you could have been a priority pick in year one or a rookie last year and you don't get treated any differently so for you personally how much easier was it to be over there along with Courtney Gum who you'd played alongside with in South Australia uh yeah it made it so much easier Courtney was a bit of a mother figure for me um whilst I was over there obviously we played together at Glenelg and at Adelaide Uni before heading over um, so I like got to know her quite well and you know, she helped me out here and there when I was struggling with a bit of homesickness and everything like that. But it was really good. We bounced off of each other and you know, just kept kept each other going and kept each other positive. Now, throughout the year of the GWS Giants, you did the full training session, the full pre-season. You were unlucky to get out there and play because as the rules are with the rookies, you can only be upgraded to the primary list once there's an injury and then obviously if you're selected from there. So you were unlucky to get a game. Um, were you sweating a little bit when it came to the delisting time of uh, May when it's like, am I, are they going to keep me? Am I going to go? What, what was that feeling like? Um, yeah, it was pretty stressful. Obviously, we had some pretty in-depth conversations with all the support staff at the end of the season. Um, and the Giants have a pretty um, good picture of what they want the club to be like. So for me, what they had told me eased my mind a little bit. But obviously, there's that bit of doubt and a bit of uncertainty there, having not played a game, not being able to sort of put my hand up and be like, hey, this is what I can do, it sort of does make you a bit uneasy and not sure what to expect. But the Giants are really good in communicating with what they want and what they need. Um, so as distressing as it was at times, it wasn't too bad. On the lighter side of things, Reshaw said he would shout the whole squad if they defeated Collingwood, which the GWS Giants did. So what did you order? Uh, we, um, he took us to a steakhouse. Owned by Stephen Cornelio, so we all went there, and I think most of the girls ordered the biggest steaks on the menu. So <laughs> we definitely got our money's worth, that's for sure. <laughs> made him pay, made him pay. Now, of course, yeah. the, the season came to an end in AFLW. At what stage had you made your mind up that you were going to come to Melbourne? And I guess who planted that seed in your mind to come on down and play for the Bombers? Um, 
Well, it wasn't really, it was a bit of a spare of the moment decision. I sort of just hit a point over there in Sydney and I was like, oh, I don't really know what I, what I want to do. Do I want to go home and go to uni? Do I want to follow a few of the other Giants girls back down to Melbourne? I just wasn't too sure. So I had um, some conversations with Maddie Collier, who's already signed with Essendon, and Tanya Hetherington, the two other Giants girls that are playing at the Bombers. And I spoke to them, and they passed my number on to the um, to the coach Brendan Major, and we had a few chats. And it was a pretty easy decision after chatting to them and meeting a few of the girls to come down here. I think it was like not just for the footy; it was best for me as a person, um, and the chance to hang around some really amazing girls and meet some new people and just develop my football was really attractive and really appealing to me. Can you give us a bit of insight to what the training commitments are like to being at AFLW with the Giants to VFLW at Essendon and obviously uh, the facilities from both clubs? Uh, well, the facilities are at Essendon, they're amazing. Um, the gym's amazing. The, um, the hangar is it's massive. Like You can run a full training session in there, um, but it's quite similar to the Giants. The Giants have like a hangar sort of facility, not as big, um, but both both facilities at both clubs are state-of-the-art. They're, they're amazing. They're everything that you could ever wish for. But in terms of training, like at Essendon, we train twice a week um, simply because we're not not professional athletes, whereas at the Giants, we were training four, four or five times a week depending on what our schedule was sort of looking like and depending on whether you're playing or not. So it, it's quite a big difference. It's... Um, quite a step down in regards to training loads coming down playing in the VFLW but it's nice to have that that break away from such professionalism and being able to enjoy your football and not having to be I guess so stressed out and worried about everything all the time and just being able to kick your feet up and play some good footy and have a bit of fun. How have you found the standard in the VFLW compared to the Sandful W in the Adelaide Footy League? Um yeah, the foot, the footies over here, it's definitely a lot better. Um, I guess you just have more exposure to the game growing up and the talent is here. Um, footies only sort of picked up in SA over the last couple of years. The samples only started um, in the last two, three years, I think. So it's it's progressing in Adelaide, but it's still, still a fair way behind Victoria. Um, in regards to standard and um, programs that can be exposed to youth girls coming up. Um, but, yeah, I'm really enjoying the standard and the um, the elite level of football that's being played over here at the moment. Prior to last weekend um, against Richmond, you hadn't registered a win. It was a bit of a struggle. You got close a few times but couldn't get over the line. What had Brendan Major been saying to the group to try and keep things positive? Because I can imagine you're hitting to the halfway mark of the season. It's the cold weather. Everyone's feeling a bit miserable, a bit down that they haven't had premiership points yet. What's he done to try and keep things positive? Um, Week in, week out, you know, he sort of just tells us just to trust the process. Like, we've been working towards towards this um, since most of the girls came together before Christmas. So he just he just kept reiterating, like, just trust the process, trust each other, and just back, e- back each other in and back ourselves in to be able to know that we're going to be able to get the job done. Because at the end of the day, we've been playing 
good bits of footy here and there. Might be three quarters, might be two, or it might be a couple of minutes here and there. But um, we just kept believing in ourselves, and you know we trusted the process. And then um, on the weekend, as it showed, you know we played 80 minutes of good footy, and we believed in each other. And you could see that with how fierce we were around the contest. Um, and you know we come away with the win, which it's such a satisfying feeling, knowing how hard our girls have worked to get to that point and to finally get the reward. It's um, yeah, honestly, it felt like we'd won the grand final on the weekend. It was so emotional out there, and it's such a big moment for the club and a lot of the girls. So yeah, he's made has been really, really good in just um, telling us just to back ourselves in and trust trust our abilities and trust what we can do as footballers. What do you think went right on the weekend for you to win? I note one thing that was reported that uh, Laura Moorcroft was actually switched from defence up forward. Yeah, so um, she yeah she played up forward, which was it was great. It added a really good balance across the field. So obviously she's been playing in the back line since the start of the season. So it sort of um, allowed her to you know trust the back line. And come out of there and, you know, work up forward with a few of our forwards in just creating that overall balance across the ground. But I think the key thing is we were just, we were just hard at the footy all day. And it was one of those games where it sort of come down to whoever wanted it the most and whoever was willing to work the hardest. They were going to come away with the, with the win. So credit to all our girls who we just stuck it out to the very last, very last second. So yeah, it was really good. Personally, how are you enjoying playing in the midfield at Essendon and essentially being an inside midfielder, doing the grunt work? Um, yeah, it's pretty good. I've sort of been changing my positions a bit over the last few years. So I grew up playing in the midfield, so it's it's quite nice being back in there and having a run around, taking a few bodies. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy to play anywhere, wherever the team needs me sort of a thing. But I must admit it is nice to be back in there for a change. And personally as well, wearing the number 32, which is a very famous number at Essendon? Yeah, it's um, it's a huge honour. Um, when when they sort of asked me, oh, what number do you want? I was like, oh, what's left? And they said 32 was still available and I, I just jumped at the chance to take that. I think it's, um, you know, given the history that the number's got, it, it's I'm sort of speechless, honestly, when people talk to me about it. You know, especially being the inaugural BSL women's team for the club, like it's just it's amazing, honestly. Now you did mention that you were taking a break from from uni, but what were you looking at studying, and what do you hope to get in career wise, uh, either balance with your football career or post football career? Uh, so I rolled into uni in Adelaide, and I was going to study a bachelor of psychological science, major in criminology. Um, so I'm actually moving back to Sydney in October where I'm going to enrol at UNSW and continue to do that same course. So I'll still be able to do the course, just in a different state. So I'm really stoked about that. Okay, time to ask you some questions about the players that you've played with and against. Um, first of all, who have you found your toughest opponent so far in the VFLW or in, in, in SA? Um... Definitely, when I played against Courtney Gumback in Adelaide, that was, you know, she's just a classy midfielder. There's nothing you can really do. She's hard on the 
hard on the inside, fast on the outside. She's just an all-round absolute jet. So she's definitely been the hardest opponent I've had to face up against. Across the whole women's football landscape, which player are you most in awe of? Um, I definitely look up to Alicia Eva and Amanda Ferugia at the Giants, um, simply because I've gotten to know them so well over the last seven or eight months and just being able to see what they're like in our four walls. It's just how professional they are, how elite and how much they just care about everyone. It's, it's genuine care. Like they want to know how your day's been. To me, that's something that's really, really big. Like, yeah, well, footballers are, at the end of the day, we're humans and you gotta, you gotta have footballers that care about you as footballers and humans. Um, both in which they do. So. Yeah, those two are just, they never fail to amaze me. At Essendon VFLW, who would you rate as your most intelligent teammate? Um, definitely Lauren Moorcroft with the footy IQ and Tanya Hetherington. Um, they're two footy brains I try and pick at every opportunity I can get. Um, they're just super smart. They read the game well. Um, but in terms of intelligence-wise, I don't really know. I can't say I've got to know the girls all that well. Now a few of them go to uni and a few of them are teachers, actually. I think we've got quite a few teachers. So you have to be pretty intelligent to teach other kids. So our captain, Lisa Williams, she's she's a teacher and um, our midfield coach, Michael, he's a teacher also. So there's quite a few intelligent characters in the team. Also amongst your teammates, who would you find the most annoying, whether that they're always yapping or they're a practical joker? Oh, most annoying. Probably Jess Trend in Essendon. She, if you get her to be quiet, you've, I don't know what you've done, but you've done well. She's always chatty and she's always having a laugh, which I love. I love being able to just come into the club and have a laugh straight away. But, oh, yeah, she gets annoying, but I love it. Can you describe for us, because Tanya Hetherington is a favourite here at Women's Australian Rules Football Radio, can you describe Tate and Tanny Thursdays? Oh, so it started a couple of weeks ago. Um, we were just uh, out at RMIT in Bundora for a training session. I um, filmed something on my Instagram and put it up, and I think afterwards she got like six different followers from my account onto hers. So we sort of made a bit of a running joke about it each week. Obviously, being Tate and Tanya, it sort of rolls off the tongue all right. So, yeah, we just have a bit of a joke. And she's just like, can you get me more followers on social media? I want everyone to follow me. So, yeah, it's a bit of a running joke between us and the rest of the girls. But, yeah, it's all good fun. And finally, before we let you go, you managed to sing the song on the weekend for the first time when you beat Richmond. Did you know all the words off by heart or did you have to look for the cheat sheet? No, I a few of the girls did, but for myself, I wasn't too sure. I was standing next to Kirby Hicks, and I kept looking at her, and I'm like, what are the words? What are the words? And she's just like, just mumble them. <laughs> so for some of it, I was mumbling, but the words I did know, I was screaming at the top of my lungs. So it was good to finally sing what I knew. Well, Tate, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best throughout the remainder of the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Season and best of luck when you head up to Sydney in October to do another pre-season 
with the GWS Giants and hopefully we'll see you out there running around in the AFLW. Thank you very much. Time to head up north to Queensland where in the QWAFL, the Wilston Grange Gorillas have been sweeping all before them, currently undefeated. Can they go all the way and be premiers and champions? Let's find out with their coach, Laura Kidd. Laura, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much for having me, Peter. Last year when we spoke to you, you were on the up and up with the Gorillas making a run at the finals. This year, you've supercharged. We're round 13, currently sitting undefeated. Yeah, we're, we're very uh, we're very lucky to be in the position that we are. We're very grateful. Um, it's definitely been a two-year plan. Uh, and, and so far, sorry, my dogs are in the background. Uh, so far, we've been very, very lucky in terms of our direction and our, our planning gone to um, gone to plan. Um, and we've been really fantastic with our training sessions as well. For you in particular, what has stood out this year compared to last year to the scene, the leap, not only to the top of the table, but in the dominance in your performance? Yeah, this year we've got a uh, we've got a really nice mix of of a number of players. Uh, the biggest thing that we we've really concentrated on this year is um, strategy beats. Uh, oh, sorry, um, culture beats strategy every day of the week. You know, that's kind of our that's our slogan. So we've been really working on our culture and making sure that our first and foremost um, we're working well together as a team. Um, and then the football stuff that'll take care of itself. But for me, the most important thing is you know we're working really well uh, together. Uh, and we're getting good people on board. I did a quick uh, calculation of the maths. The closest winning margin you've had has been 21 points. Your average winning margin at the moment is 59.9 points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, it's been an interesting um, season this year because we've got a we've got a number of AFLW players playing for us, uh, and we've got a number of Queensland under 18 players playing for us as well. Um, but we've been lucky enough to keep a majority of our Quaffle team uh, from last year. So we're able to build a really good basis. Now, with uh, uh, up here in Queensland, we've got a, a winter series. So what that means is three games out of um, the year. Uh, Brisbane Lions will play uh, Gokko Suns, um, GWS, or another Sydney team as well. Um, and unfortunately, that impacts our fossil season because they can't play for those games. So this weekend, for example, we've got 11 um, girls out of our 30 um, available for us. So we're really making sure that our Division One team, our, our bottom, um, quaffle, our bottom team, um, you know, the depth in our program is really shining through, and that's that's helping us. And how are you juggling that this week? Because obviously you have a few players out because of the under 18s nationals that are happening at Metricon Stadium on the Gold Coast, plus also the final round of the Winter Series. Yeah, look, it's, it's entirely it's quite tough. It's, it's it's really hard where we normally have. An abundance of players and selections quite hard each week. Um, this week we only have 11, uh, 11 players, and that's including uh, girls from our Div- Division One team, which is our below um, uh, our feeder team. So it is quite tough, but this just goes to um, really uh, show the depth of our program and the depth of our two teams. And we, and we train as a squad; we don't train as a, as two separate teams. We do our warm ups together, um, and then we go go off into our separate groups. But that that emphasis on us being an entire squad. Um, I think it's really paying dividends for our program right now. And talking about the program, you had a partnership that was announced about two to three years ago with Melbourne University. That was due to, of course, Caitlin Ashmore and Nicole Hildebrand uh, being for the yep. Lions, being up there a couple of years ago. Rather ironically, you've got on your list uh, Jamie Stanton, Talia Randall and Brittany Gibson, who will be moving to Melbourne soon to play with North Melbourne, who happens to be an affiliate of Melbourne University. <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. I um I was lucky enough to play for Melbourne Uni myself um a number of years ago. So that's how that kind of that partnership came about when I got uh, moved back here um, to complete my teaching um, degree up here. So you know that started a number of years ago, and, and we've just been able to Laura Kane, their president. Uh, we've been able to grab get those good bonds and um and and make those pathways that's really happening for for us here in Brisbane. Uh, we've got connections up to up to Cairns as well, so we've really got connections moving from Cairns, North North Queensland, all the way down to Melbourne. Um, and those pathways are really you know coming um into fruition for us because you know, as as you did say, uh, you know, Tali Randall, uh, Jamie Stanton, they've all gone now down to uh, North Melbourne uh, as a result of those pathways. Uh, we're lucky enough to pick up Brittany Gibson this year. Um, and she is just an asset to any any team. Um, she's an amazing footballer, but more importantly, she's just a, a, an amazing person. So uh, she fitted really well into our program, and I have no doubt that she's going to uh, fit really well into North Melbourne's program. Another player you also managed to pick up was Shannon Campbell, uh, originally, of course, a Marucci Dor Ruse footballer, but has obviously relocated down to Brisbane. Yeah, well, actually, she was uh, an original a couple of years ago. She she did play for Wilson Grange. Um, and then she moved over to Canada, uh, to America, sorry, for her soccer program. Um, she came back because she's from, uh, Sunshine Coast originally, so she played up at Maroochydore. And then, um, yeah, then she relocated because of, uh, AFLW down to Brisbane. So we we're lucky enough to still have those, uh, partnerships with her. Um, obviously with us being her original club many years ago, she's come back and she's made a, she's made a really good impact. The girls get around her. Uh, and, and again, she's a really good person as well. What can you tell us about Isabel Dawes? She's been named to the best six times, and uh, Aaron Russell is a big rap for her. Yeah, uh, Isabel Dawes, uh, you know, uh, in my opinion, she's the best under-18 football player in, in Australia. She's a, she's a fantastic uh, ball getter. She's hard at the footy. Um, she, she will beat any opposition. Um, and she's just a, she's a really good, really young, um, young person, but she's really mature for her, her age. And that really, that shows out in the football field where she takes on the older girls and, uh, quite regularly she, she outsteps and, um, outmuscles the NLW players. So she's a, she's a fantastic prospect and, um, any club, if you know, you're listening, you'd be mad not to put her as your first pick this year. But, yep. And also another player, I hope I pronounced it correctly, Catherine Sparch. Um, she's yeah. been also named in the best six times. Yeah, Kathy Stark. So uh, Kathy is a is a girl from netball. This is her first time that she's ever played uh, AFL before. Um, she has come up from uh, from Geelong. She's got a netball background, as I said. She's moved up here for her. Uh, she's a physio. Um, she has, as I said, never played AFL before, but she is an absolute powerhouse. Uh, I've been trying to recommend her to both Brisbane Lions and Gold Coast Suns. Um, she, her, her kicking, obviously being new to the sport, her kicking is probably her uh, weak point. Uh, but she is ferocious when she's out in the football field. She will every every day of the week she will put AFLW um, players, you know, on their backsides with their tackles, and she, she is just an incredible asset. And I and I, I really encourage any AFLW. Um, team out there who's listening, just to have a look at her. It's, it's a big gamble, um, but she is an absolute powerhouse. You're obviously coming into the important part of the season now, just a few weeks away from hitting the finals. As we said, the squad's been trying to balance representative duties with some of the under-18s and the winter series. How are you looking injury-wise? Injury-wise, we're not too bad. We've got uh, we've lost uh, Claire Launton, so she's a, a GWS superstar who's come up here with her work. Um, so unfortunately, she's done her ACL a number of weeks ago. Um, we've lost uh, another girl, um, uh, Amy Kelly. Uh, she's done her a small section of her knee. It's not an ACL, um, but she's out six to eight weeks. 
Um, Michaela Campbell, she's hurt her shoulder, but she'll be back you know, in about two weeks. But other than that, we're, we're faring up pretty pretty well. Um, this weekend, obviously, is, is a big weekend for us because we've got AFLW stars as well as our under-18s who are off playing representative football. So um, hopefully they come back and, and their bodies are all right and able to continue on throughout the season. Uh, the interesting thing for us is, you know, we're around 13 now and we still have not played one game with our full team. Wow, that is something, uh, particularly, uh, as we said, how you're winning by an average of 59.9 points. Uh, yeah. o- over the last couple of years, we've seen the dramatic increase from the from the Gorillas from last to playing finals now, being top of the table. What will it mean to the club if you're able to take out the premiership? Well, uh, for, for us, we're a club because, you know, the, the history behind our club is that, that another, an opposition club didn't want women's football. Um, a part of their club, they didn't they didn't see the uh, prospect of it. So uh, Wilson Grange has really opened their doors for us a number, uh, you know, three four years ago. Um, so we're a relatively new club, um, and and for us, you know, it, it would absolutely mean the world for us just just to think where we've come from to where we are now. Um, and and our biggest you know theme, I guess, is you know bigger than the club. So when, whenever we talk about values and we make our decisions, uh, if you're not following what our club values are, fantastic, go go find another club. And just one last one, Laura. We obviously talk about the players and what they want in winning premierships and obviously hoping to have a crack at AFLW. How about for yourself? Where do you see your next phase in your coaching journey? Uh, um, that, that's a great question. At, at the moment, I, I coach um, the Queensland under-15 girls team. Uh, in, in terms of in coaching, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure if there's much opportunity up here up, up here in Queensland. Um, they're kind of set in their ways a little bit and... Um, it's interesting because you know, at the moment I'm the only female coach, um, and yet there's no female coaches. Not saying that it's myself, but there's so many uh, female coaches involved in under 18s um, that I think they're, they're a little bit silly if they don't have a look at a female coach moving into that um, next level. Um, I, I think that the relationships that, that female coaches can get out of their girls, not saying that they can't with males, um, but it's on a different level. And I think AFLW clubs up here really need to have a look at a female coach at some point coming into their program. Fingers crossed, particularly with the Gold Coast Suns on the horizon very, very shortly. Laura, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best for the remainder of the home and away season and good luck in your finals campaign for 2018. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you for having me uh, on your show today. So while we're talking all things Queensland footy, let's start our state leagues wrap by checking in with the former Cullen Gatta-Tweed Premiership coach in Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Thanks for having me, Peter. Uh, as always, sunny Queensland. Nothing to complain about up here, mate. Um, not too many interesting games on the weekend, but in saying that, the uh, race for fourth spot in the finals has just heated up. Um, but we'll get to that into a second. Well, let's have a look at the big game that was between Coolangatta Tweed and Wilson Grange, and it was the Gorillas running away with it in the end, 9-10-64 to 2 3 15. Yeah, probably get sick of saying this at the moment. Um, no one's no one's getting anywhere near them. Uh, again, way too strong from um, from the get go. Clearly, uh, not even registering on the scoreboard in the first quarter. Um, but too strong, uh, too too strong. Uh, usual usual offenders. Uh, Campbell, Lutkins um, were really good. Stanton as well. Uh, Daniak, um, Collins. So. Um, yeah, they, they, they were great, uh, on the weekend. Um, good for Cooley to get Maddie Roberts back, who was obviously a shining light, um, for them. And James is having a consistent year up forward as well, uh, for those guys. So, 
um, yeah, just not just not been able to get get the job done um, or really even come um, too close to them. So there's a lot of ground to make up in not a lot of time. Um, if if Cooley are going to catch uh, Wilson um, in season's end, so ho- hopefully uh, hopefully they do. There's still some players to come back. Um, and and we'll see we'll see what'll happen, but yeah, Wilson Grange too too strong for Cooley uh, down there as well. As we mentioned in an earlier interview with Laura Kidd, the coach of the Gorillas, their average winning margin this year is fifty nine point nine points. Yeah, huge. That's uh, massive. Um, you know, if you if, <laughs> it's phenomenal. We're, we're sort of talking. Uh, the, the comparison there is is probably bigger than where Richmond are at in front of their. Uh, Remaining competitors, Peter. I think um, a lot of ground is going to be made up if anyone's going to challenge uh, challenge uh, Wilson Grange um, at this stage. And and right now they're missing. Um, they're probably as, as close to under strength as they they'll be um, this weekend. So that's going to be that's going to be a test to their depth. But yeah, too too strong on the weekend and 59 points. Is quite talk, substantial. Talk about showing some strength. Cooper Roo, 17-10, 112, walloped Bond University three behinds. Yeah, massive. Um, I think ever since probably round five or six, I know a lot of people are getting really excited about Bond early, but hey, I stuck to my guns. Um, definitely, uh, they, they, they're finding that they're going a bit tougher in the second half of the season. Uh, Cooper, um, way too strong. And, and from the get-go, they were actually 83 points um, at, at, into the second quarter. So um, good job for, for may, maybe uh, Bond to... To uh, cool their heels a little bit, um, only register 30, 30 points in the second half, as opposed to the eighty three in the first half. Uh, uh, but yeah, they they're probably able to put the cue in the rack after that and um, rest some of their stars. Janae Govan eight goals, uh, so that was great. Um, and and out kick Wushner, who, who only got the two, uh, and uh, probably, probably doesn't happen too often. And Ali Anderson obviously bobbing up for three as well. So. Look, they're 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 hitting some really good form um, coming into close to to the pointy end of the season. So they're they're going to be one of the one of the challenges and maybe one to watch out if um if you're Wilson Grange at the moment. And Yoronga South Brisbane nine seven forty three defeating Maroochydore one two eight. Yeah, great win for Yoronga. Uh, this has actually put them up into fourth spot. So um, after that massive loss that Bond had on the weekend. Um, they ha- just haven't been able to register a win in a number of weeks, um, and and that's actually seen them uh, give up that fourth position. So that that that's probably where the most intrigue is uh, in the competition at the moment is who's going to make up that fourth spot. We know obviously Yoronga are, are uh, looking for a premiership defence, um, but we've got Yoronga Bond uh, on sixteen. Um, and UQ are on 12. So they're one win behind those guys. Um, I think I called UQ to take that last spot um, a few weeks back. I'm still sticking by my guns. They definitely got the hardest run home of the three. Um, uh, but let's see if, if they can get a massive upset win this week. And I guess that segues into the upcoming round, Peter. Yes, kicking the dew off the grass Saturday morning at 9.45am. Bond University play host to Cool and Gutter Tweed. Yeah, uh, a must win for, uh, for, for, for both teams, really. I mean, you'd think now, um, Coolio need to win maybe one or two more to hang on, um, to make finals or guarantee their sort of position. Um, uh, whereas Bond must win. They've, they've just got to find a win somewhere. 
um, if they're going to be uh, any chance of, of playing finals in their inaugural year. Um, I'm sure they've still got a little bit of hope down there. Um, you know, they had a great start to the season, but they need to back it up in the second half and they, they need to just find a win from somewhere. Um, and, and, and more so than just the Mauricio game they've got coming up. Um, it's the line on the ladder. I think they really need to find a win. Um, and maybe Battle of the Coast is one they can do it on, Peter. I, I think Cooley are going to be too strong and wanting to bounce back after um, going down to Wilson last week. Uh, but this is a must-win for Bond if they're to push for a uh, uh, push for a finals berth. Saturday, 4.45pm at Giffen Park. Cooper Roo hosts Yoronga South Brisbane. Yeah, uh, massive game. Um, Cooper Roo on one hand, uh, pushing, uh, you know, they're pretty much locked away there their uh, final spot. Um, they'll they'll want to hang on to second uh, ahead of Cooley here. Uh, and Yoronga, on the other hand, fighting for that last final position. So um, both teams have got a lot to play for here. Uh, you know, going purely on, on form. Um, both have been improving over the last couple of weeks. Cooper had obviously a sensational game on the weekend. Uh, Yoronga um, are starting to talk to get us some victories. Uh, Emily Bates had a fantastic um, game uh, for them on the weekend, um, and uh, hopefully uh, th- this will be a, this will be a good game, good good tight contest. They've had some great battles over the years. Hopefully, to be a tight contest. Um, who knows if you're longer at at their at their best, it could be anyone's ball game on on Saturday. And finally, 4:45 p.m. on Saturday at Bendigo Bank Oval, Wilson Grange Gorillas versus the UQ Red Lions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> If you if you're probably a UQ supporter, you'd probably be wondering why we have to play Wilson Grange a couple of times um, in our home run to finals uh, within a matter of only uh, three to four weeks. Um, but they're up against them again. Um, you know, the other way of looking at it is, hey, if we're going to be any chance, we've got to beat this side. Um, so it's, it's this is their opportunity. Uh, Wilson going to be slightly depleted um, with the state carnival getting around. Um, winner series uh, around about the same time, so their depth is going to be tested on the weekend. UQ similar to that, but I think overall, um, percentage-wise in the list, Wilson Grange will probably be losing a, uh, a higher percentage of quality players on the weekend. So UQ have got to got to maximise their their run to finals by perhaps chalking up the biggest biggest upset we would have seen in the competition so far this season. Uh, don't write them off just yet, UQ. Hopefully, we've got a great game on our hands. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, look, obviously, Wilson are still going to go into this game as, as, as red-hot favourites. Um, but don't don't count them out. I reckon UQ fancy themselves in a sneaky chance here. Well, Aaron, thank you very much for, again for joining us here on RSN Carnival and Women's Australian Rules Football. And we look forward to catching up with you next week as we review another round of the QWAFL. Beautiful. Thanks, Peter. Looking at other state league results, if we go across the WAWFL league competition, round 13 played over the weekend, where Swan Districts 19-15-129 wallop the Perth Angels 2-3-15 in Nicole Graves' last game as head coach as she now moves across to Melbourne to be uh, the women's footy general manager for Carlton. Uh, Subiaco 3-3-21 went down to East from Adel 4-6-30. South Fremantle 5-1-31 were defeated by Claremont 7-5-47, while the Peel Thunderbirds 11-7-73 defeated West Perth 
3523. Looking ahead to round 14 action, that will be on the weekend of Sunday, July 22. So a buy this week. And then we're back on July 22 with Peel Thunderbirds v South Fremantle, East Frio versus Claremont, West Perth versus Swan Districts, and Perth Angels v Subiaco. Again, that's on Sunday, July 22. To the Tasmanian State League women's competition, round 11 played over the weekend. Launceston 3 4 22. We're down to Glenorchy 6 8 44. Tigers 1 1 7. We're defeated by Clarence 12 6 78. Looking ahead to round 12. Both games on Sunday, July 15th, 12pm at Wybenhoe Showgrounds. Bernie host Launceston. And at KGV at 1pm, Glenorchy host the Tigers. Clarence with the bye. To the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 competition. Uh, of course, we had uh, results from Sunday where Morphville Park 13-9-87 defeated Fitzroy 3-3-21. While Salisbury 6-6-42 went down to Adelaide University 11-7-73. The Christie's Beach v Port Adelaide match resulted in a forfeit against Port Adelaide. Christie's Beach winning again on forfeit. Looking ahead to round 12 in the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 on Sunday, July 15th, 2.50pm at University Oval. Adelaide Uni hosts Morfordville Park. 3pm at the Fitzroy Sports Club. Fitzroy hosts Christie's Beach. And at Portland at 3pm, the Port Adelaide Magpies host the Salisbury Magpies. Let's have a look at the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Round 12 played over the weekend. Newtown Breakaways 2-3-15 were defeated by the Southern Power 4-7-31. UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs 3-6-24 defeated Sydney Uni Bombers 2-1-13. Auburn Penrith Giants 1-2-8 defeated Mac Uni 2 behinds, while the UTS Shamrocks 3 behinds were down to the Western Wolves 7-15-57. Looking ahead to round 13, they are on the weekend of Saturday, July 21. So a buy this round, and then we're back on July 21st. Newtown versus the Bulldogs, uh, the Giants versus the Wolves, the Bombers v the Shamrocks, and the Power versus Mac Uni. To the UNSW Canberra first grade women's competition over the weekend, Balconnen 4-6-30 defeated Quimbian 2-4-16. Eastlake 6-13-49 defeated Tugranong 2-4-16. And Gungarland, three behinds, went down to Ainsley, 4-5-29. Looking ahead to round 11 this weekend, all games on Saturday, 14th of July, 11.30am at Orlandshaw Park. Quimbian host Eastlake at Gungarland. The Gungarland Jets host Tugranong, that's at 11.30am. And at 4pm at Allen Ray Oval, Ainsley host Belconnen. Let's find out what's been happening in the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition. And it's our privilege to be joined on the line by the Number two caller here at RSN Carnival. I think Lucy Watkins taken over the number one role after a great debut at Victoria Park on the weekend. It's great to have on the line caller number two, Matthew Cox. Coxie, how are you? Good on you, Pete. Yeah, n- n- nice to be uh, B2 uh, <laughs> on the weekend. Uh, L- Lucy, by the way, did a fantastic job uh, first game on. Still staggered that that was her first call on the weekend at Victoria Park. Uh, she settled into it like a duck on water. She was uh, great calling alongside her, and I got a feeling that we might be doing that again sometime in the very, very near future. It's so good um, we invited her back. <laughs> I don't know what that means for you, Pete. It means I'm pretty ordinary, and I'm squeezed out of the box <laughs> at the moment. Sent down to the reserves. <laughs> Couldn't even bring the weather radar up for us on the weekend, and then had to go for the to the garbage bags. 
Oh, dear. Let's have a look at what happened in Swiss Wellness VFL women's football over the weekend for round nine. Talking about going for the garbage bags, you wouldn't need to be wearing one out at Casey Fields on Saturday morning when the rain came down, which resulted in a low-scoring game. Casey Demons 3-3-21, defeating the Southern Saints 1-4-10. Yeah, apparently conditions in this game weren't fantastic. There was a bit of footage from the men's VFL game uh, that followed this one that <laughs> pretty much showed Casey Fields a resembling a great big puddle. So not not great out there on Saturday morning. Um, the Southern Saints, uh, not not a great performance, but then again, a young side uh, in, in difficult conditions. Um, it, it, was, it was going to be tough for them. They only kicked a goal in the final term up until three-quarter time. They only had three behinds on the scoreboard. Casey were able to get, uh, well, make the most of their opportunities by the look of things, kicking three goals, three. Phillips, Bentvelsen and Masiti were the goal kickers for them on the weekend, while Lawrence was the sole goal kicker for the Casey Demons. The statistics, it uh, well, I don't know how much you can read into these because of the conditions on the weekend. Uh, 98 tackles to 95 uh, going the way of the Southern Saints, uh, whilst inside 50s were well in the favour of the Casey Demons, 29-15. to 15. Leading possession getters on the ground on the weekend, uh, Jacobson racked up 26 touches, uh, whilst Lauren Arnell, using her experience in those tight and uh, tough conditions, racked up 24 touches for the Southern Saints on the weekend. It, Keeps Casey's hopes of a finals berth alive just whilst for the Southern Saints. Okay, I wouldn't read too much into the loss. And with Jackson uh, racking up all those disposals again, I just look at Carlton shaking my head saying, you let a good one go there, you let a good one go to Melbourne. Let's have a look at the other game that was played on Saturday up at TIO Stadium in Darwin. The NT Thunder 13-7-85 defeating Geelong 2-8-20. A couple of injuries there for Geelong, Anna Teague and Lara Williams. And I guess interesting to note, at one stage, the game was something like 8-1 NT Thunder. Uh, Geelong Cats are like 1-7. So the scoring shots, uh, I think by the third quarter, were roughly the same. It's just that the NT Thunder were a lot more accurate and made full effect of it. Yeah, I can tell you there at three-quarter time, Peter, was 8-1 to 1-8. So exactly the same, just as you said, though. Completely reversed Northern Territory Thunder, accurate up forward, whilst the Cats, who have had a couple of losses in a row now uh, against the Bulldogs the week prior at Ballarat and now against the Northern Territory Thunder, just makes you question whether they're just going through a little bit of a patch at the moment. They've started rotating players in into the side, which uh, might just be having an effect similar to Melbourne University a couple of weeks ago against Richmond, where they, they brought players in and they just did not look like a, a unit. They were clunky. They were fumbly. It's what uh, Geelong looked like against the Western Bulldogs a couple of weeks ago. And looking at the scoreboard, the looked like it was a, a similar situation on the weekend. And it's also two games where Geelong have struggled to kick goals. They only kicked one against the Bulldogs in Ballarat on the weekend. They kicked or ended up kicking two goals, eight. So not a good result up forward for Geelong. Plenty of 
questions to, to come out of the game for them. The Northern Territory Thunder back uh, back into action uh, by the looks of things after uh, a couple of weeks where uh, they were hit with some list management um, uh, restrictions and they seem to now have sorted themselves out and uh, they've got a good side back out on the park. Four goals to Sidundry on the weekend, the leading goal kicker on the ground. McCormick kicked three, Foley, Foley kicked two, and then Hewitt, Duggan, Swanson and Riley were the other goal kickers for the Northern Territory Thunder. For Geelong, Orr and Cranston were their two goal kickers on the weekend. Leading possession getters on the ground in this game, uh, went the way, surprisingly, of uh, Madeline Kerrick, um, who racked up 23 touches, and Rochelle Cranston racked up 20. So Geelong had both of the leading possession getters on the ground. Foley was the leading one for the Northern Territory with 18. And it just makes you think, were Kerrick and Cranston the two that were working hard, and did they have enough support around them, considering they got so many touches on the weekend? Second place, Hawthorne. I recall you saying in the game at Box Hill City Oval that Hawthorne uh, were winning but just weren't looking like a great side. They were just staggering over the line and, uh, well, they used their get-out-of-jail card on Sunday uh, at Box Hill City Oval against the Seagulls. 6-6-42, defeating Williamstown 6-2-38. The winning goal, mind you, coming in the last 90 seconds. Yeah, from uh, Rebecca Beeson, I believe, was that goal kicker that got them over the line so close yet so far for Williamstown but for me I think they take more out of this game than what Hawthorne will Williamstown when we saw them a couple of weeks ago um, we, we were very very ordinary they weren't competitive um, they didn't look like scoring and they really relied on their three standout players in Jasmine Garner, Jess Duffin and uh, Jenna Brutton on the weekend, though, it looks like uh, they've really stepped up. They uh, blitzed the opening term, kicking four goals to one goal two. So that set them up uh, by three-quarter time. Hawthorne had worked their way in, into the match, and it was the great escape for the Hawks. It continues this run of wins that seem to be okay, but not great. Um, and we know good sides do win... Uh, Ordinarily, um, if, if that's that's not the right word to describe it, but they they do they do get over the line more often than not when they're a well-drilled, structured side, and I'm sensing that's what's occurring at the moment for Hawthorne. Nothing special, midpoint of the season, rack up the wins on the board, try and give yourself the best position heading towards September. It's all they've got to do at the moment, but you'd like if you're a Hawthorne supporter for. A, bit more of a convincing victory against one of the bottom sides of the competition. So well done to Williamstown. Their goal kickers on the weekend. Paterno kicked to Whiting, Garner, Duffin and Porter, the other goal kickers. Whilst for Hawthorne, Beeson kicked to, as did Flanagan. David and O'Donnell were the other goal kickers for them on the weekend. And leading disposal getters on the ground, the skipper for Hawthorne, Emma Mackey, racked up 23 touches, really leading from the front, uh, also laid seven tackles on the weekend. Pepper Randall racked up 20 touches, whilst Jess Duffin continues to be the leading possession getter for Williamstown. She racked up 19 touches on the weekend with three tackles. Finally, every side in the VFLW has a win. 
Essendon the last team to break the dark. They did so at Windy Hill, 5-4-34, defeating Richmond, 3-8-26. And looking at score scoring shots, it looks as though Richmond uh, didn't capitalise uh, going forward, kicking eight behinds in this game. Again, Essendon got off to a good start. They kicked one goal, two in the opening term to just the behind for Richmond. Um, Richmond got their noses in front by half time, and then it was a real struggle between the two uh, up until the end of the game. Uh, Essendon, as you said, uh, finally getting their first win of the season. Good reward for effort, I think, because uh, they've shown plenty of signs in the games that we've seen them. It's just really been that last kick inside attacking 50 and trying to find someone to straighten them up to kick their goals. On the weekend, uh, Demetteo De kicked th- uh, two goals, Quigley kicked one, Hardy one, and Kendra Hull also kicked a goal. So they spread the goals around between uh, their forwards. It looks like that's finally gelled, which is a positive sign for them. For Richmond, their goal kickers were Lynch, Damon, and Kennedy. Leading disposal getters on the ground, Lauren Tessa Riero continues her impressive season at the Tigers. She racked up 21 touches and laid four tackles. Maddie Collier was the leading possession getter on the ground for Essendon. She racked up 20 and laid nine tackles. So an impressive performance from Maddie Collier on the weekend. The team that's got a bit of a streak going, the Western Bulldogs, their fourth win in a row. 9-6-60, defeating Melbourne Uni 6-3-39. Disappointing result for Melbourne Uni on their home deck. I think we can say now their finals chances are done and dusted. I don't think that they can make it from here. Having said that, I suppose I'd better be nice considering we're off to uh, Tin Alley this weekend. So maybe they've got one last roll of the dice in their bag. Bulldogs, though, they are up and about. They are flying um, and they've got a lot of talent back on their list. I mean, looking down at the goal kickers from the weekend's game, Brooke Lachlan kicked three. Mifsud was back in the side, uh, kicking one. Berry kicked one. Ward kicked one. Blackburn kicked one. Ernst went forward and kicked a goal. And Bailey Hunt also went forward and kicked a goal. So some uh, high or noticeable talent amongst the goal-kicking list on the weekend for the Western Bulldogs. They are up and about, and... If they hadn't had such a sluggish start to the season, they'd probably be up in the top four or five sides of the competition at the moment because the form that they've been in recently suggests that they are one of the sides to beat. Um, They just have to continue this momentum going if uh, they do want to make September. Melbourne University goal kickers on the weekend. Greaser kicked three. Ashmore kicked two. Price kicked one. And... At the end of the day, the Muggers did well to fight back. Uh, they kicked four goals in the last quarter, but it just makes you wonder whether the Bulldogs had taken their foot off the throttle. They had uh, a very sluggish start to the game, but were able to work their way into it. So that's a positive sign for Melbourne University. Leading disposal getters on the weekend, uh, Naomi Ferris wrapped up 20 touches for the Western Bulldogs, while Sophie Abitangelo kicked... Uh, racked up 18 touches and five tackles on the weekend. It's very rare to say at the business end of the season, but Darabin are sitting outside the top four and skating on thin ice. They're only out by half a game, but they've got to watch every step from here. It didn't help that they went down by five goals to the ladder leaders, Collingwood. The Magpies, 7-3-45. The Falcons, 2-3-15. 
Yeah, dis- disappointing result for Darabin. I felt that they were in the game uh, up until half time and then Collingwood got onto a roll in the third term and were able to just give themselves a buffer. Uh, Kate Tyndall's goal uh, right on the three-quarter time siren just gave Darabin a little sense of hope, but uh, Collingwood were able to snuff that out pretty quick. Um, and as you say, it, it, it leaves them skating on thin, thin ice. They're not as far down the ladder and don't have a huge amount of work to do compared to someone like the Western Bulldogs or Casey, but they do need all the wins that they can get. I think it's got a little bit to do with the depth at the moment. I think it's testing Darabin. They've got some good players in the side, recognisable names, Elise O'Day, Astro O'Connor, Meg McDonald among those, but uh, just it's probably the bottom four or five players that don't seem to be as strong as what their opposition's is, which uh, is a slight concern for them. Hopefully they can bring back a few more players towards the back half of the season just to strengthen themselves up to launch themselves, hopefully for another crack at September. Collingwood, on the other hand, they are the top side of the competition, not only on the ladder, but in my eyes, they're, they're the best balanced side of the competition. They've used their AFLW talent extremely well and their mid-to-bottom tier players, I said this on the weekend, they are probably the best mid-to-bottom tier players in the competition who are challenging themselves and taking on responsibility. When we spoke to Penny Kula-Reed after the game on the weekend, she mentioned how she continues to challenge her her players uh, as individuals and as a team, um, and they continue to rise to the occasion. So got a feeling that Collingwood might be going places uh, heading towards the back half of 2018. They just seem a really settled side at the moment, um, which is creating positive things for them. McIntosh and Hildebrand uh, were a couple of surprise packets up forward for them on the weekend. Both of them kicked two goals. Chloe Malloy contributed with a goal. Biden, Wing, Webster and Hines were the other goal kickers on the weekend for Collingwood, whilst Honeybun and uh, Tyndall were the goal kickers for the Darabin Falcons. Disposals in this game, Elise Day was everywhere, very prominent, very efficient with her ball use. She racked up 32 touches on the weekend, laid eight tackles. There's not much more you'd expect from uh, Elise Day. Jamie Lambert continues her impressive season. She racked up 27 touches, and uh, Chloe Malloy was also up there, racking up 23. So let's have a look ahead to round 10. We should mention that Carlton had the bye, and as we kick off round 10, it's Preston City Oval, Saturday, 12 p.m., third versus fifth, Darabin versus the NT Thunder, two points. Very cheeky of Darabin getting two home games against the NT Thunder. Of course, they met in round one, also Preston City Oval, so they don't play on away game against the NT Thunder. But importantly for the Falcons, they get back Mouncey. I believe Mithin will be back and Sheila will be back. They'll need those names firing if there's any chance to knock off the Thunder because a loss means they start to slip another game back from the top four. And they're pivotal ins considering uh, the performance from Darabin on the weekend. I think they missed a little bit of midfield uh, presence, which Mithin can provide. 
I think they missed some tall options as well. Mouncy can definitely fill one of those roles and, and Shearlaw, no doubt, can help pinch it around the ground um, and also in the ruck too, which uh, provides a fairly handy combination for Lauren Pierce and Astor O'Connor. Um, I'm tempted to go with Darabin, but I think the Northern Territory Thunder will win again at Preston City Oval. Um, like Collingwood, they seem to be a, a ver- very well-balanced side. They've obviously got a lot of talent in there and a fair bit of depth. So I think the Northern Territory Thunder should be able to get another win at Preston City Oval. An old classic eight-point game, Saturday 1pm at Deakin University in Geelong. Geelong hosts the Southern Saints. Geelong win. They might be able to start to put a gap on Darabin and the rest and try and hold their spot in the top four. If Geelong lose, that shoots the Southern Saints up to being half a game out and breathing down their neck. Yeah, there's a fair bit of incentive in this one for Peter Searle's group uh, and... After the loss on the weekend against Casey, no doubt that they'll have a bit of fire in the belly to put in a bit more of a respectable performance. Geelong, I'd also be thinking, would uh, would have the same thing and have the same fire in the belly. I'm wondering, though, it's, it's almost as if who's going to come, who's coming off the previous round better? Is it... Geelong, after their trip up north to, to warm conditions that would have taken its toll on them and the travel, or is it the Southern Saints in uh, wet and heavy conditions at Casey Fields? I think fatigue will certainly be in a factor in this game, and I just think Geelong have a couple of more experienced players that might be able to hold it together for a longer period of time. Icon Park, Sunday, 11.30am. An intriguing game. 10th versus 12th. Only one win separates these two sides, Carlton versus Williamstown. Which is a bit ironic considering how Carlton started the season and looked as though that they could be a potential challenger this year. I reckon about four weeks ago I would have uh, selected Carlton comfortably, but given the last two weeks from Williamstown, I reckon they might be able to produce an upset on Icon Park on Sunday morning. I think uh, they finally seem to have conjured something together and gelled a bit. So I'm going with the Seagulls. I think Carlton are a very hard side to read just because they've got uh, a lot of, A, inexperience in the side at the moment, and B, how they're using their AFLW players is affecting their form. One thing we do know is Darcy Vessio is back from her trip to America. So that will be a big in for the Blues if she does play on Sunday. Henry... I, I think uh, Jess Duffin might have her covered, though, Pete. Intriguing. I think uh, that could be a very, very good matchup. Henry Turner Memorial Reserve in Footscray. The Western Bulldogs versus Essendon. Uh, this game is 7th versus 13th. Can Essendon string two wins in a row? Or will the Red Hot Bulldogs rack up their fifth win in a row? And depending on results, could jump to fifth spot and be half a win outside the top four. This is a, an intrig- another intriguing game. Um, and Western Bulldogs returning to Henry Turner Memorial Reserve. It's where their winning streak started. Is it where their winning streak ends is the question. I think 
they're obviously very good at the moment. They've got a lot of experienced players in the side. Uh, Essendon will be very confident, very buoyant uh, after their results on the weekend that have a burden off their shoulders, so might be playing with a bit more freedom. Going to go the Bulldogs, though, I just think they've got too much experience in that side. When we read the goal kickers list out uh, from the weekend just gone, um, there's a lot of stars in that team at the moment, and I think that's what's going to get them over the line against the Bombers. Let's jump to Sunday, 2.30pm at the Queen Elizabeth Oval in Bendigo. What an intriguing game. This on the ladder is 8th versus ninth, but for the winner... They shoot themselves back into calculations in the race for the four. For the loser, it's not quite, but it's almost curtains. Richmond versus the Casey Demons. Toss of the coin, this one for me. Uh, Casey seemed to be stringing a couple of games together and and, and building the, the confidence that they need if they are to make September action. Richmond have been a very confident side. No doubt they'll uh, they'll be hungry after the weekend's loss against Essendon. Probably a shock loss um, for them as well. I think Richmond will be able to bounce back. Queen Elizabeth Oval, they played it extremely well when they played the Muggers up there uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I'd be expecting Richmond to get the job done on Sunday afternoon against the Casey Demons. And finally, our RSN Carnival match of the day. Sunday, 2 p.m. We're on air. Sunday, 2 p.m. for a 2.30 p.m. bounce down. At Tin Alley, Melbourne University, Main Oval. Melbourne Uni versus Hawthorne. This on paper is 11th versus 2nd. It is the last chance saloon for Melbourne Uni. They must win if they are to be any chance of even considering finals. But if it was to be a last chance saloon, against a Hawthorne side that it's looked like it's had the wobbles the last few weeks despite getting over the line on every occasion. The head's going with Hawthorne, Pete, but the heart's going with Melbourne Uni. I think they, against, as you said, a Hawthorne side that certainly just hasn't felt quite right uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, they've been slightly inconsistent in a few areas against a Melbourne University, a Melbourne University side that, to be honest, hasn't been much better. I think they've had uh, a lot of inconsistency over the last month. Um, but I've just got a, uh, a sense that on their home deck against uh, a side with their backs against the wall, that they might be able to pull a rabbit out of their hat and uh, get over the line just to keep their season simmering alive. There's uh, not a lot of light at the end of the tunnel left for the Muggers, but they, they might just have a little bit after the weekend. I think they can get the job done against Hawthorne. I'm going to go for Melbourne Uni in that game. Emma Carney should be back and in the side, and that could make all the difference when you've got the best player in the AFLW running around for you. And like you mentioned, backs against the wall. I think they just might pull this one out of the fire. Yeah, they're they're a side that are renowned to uh, to rise to the occasion. Well, they used to. Um, that culture is still there at Melbourne University, so I'd be expecting the Muggers to live up to that reputation on the weekend. And uh, they've got a point to prove. Uh, they are still one of the sides of the competition from that's been in the VFL women's for some time. 
They uh, bombed out of the finals last year, not the way that they wanted to. They'd love another crack, you would think, at, uh, at trying to rectify that. It's going to be hard work to get there, but I reckon an occasion like this against a top side of the competition who's not firing on all cylinders, I think they should be able to get the job done. And because we've both tipped against Hawthorne, expect the Hawks to run out winners by 40 points. <laughs> and, and the latter leaders, Collingwood, do have the bye. Coxie, thanks very much again for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We look forward to listening to you, Lucy Watkin, along with Lisa Roper and Sash Doherty on special comments, bringing us the game Sunday, 2pm, Melbourne Uni versus Hawthorne, right here on RSN Carnival. Yeah, looking forward to it, Pete. We certainly are expert commentators, I can say that. Uh, should, should be a should be a great weekend. Time to head overseas now and to England, if the place is still standing upright after uh, the three Lions performance in the World Cup. And it's great to have on the line the coach of the Wandsworth Demons and England Vixens to, to discuss what's happening in the AFL London Women's League in Mitch Scully. Mitch, how are you? Good, thanks, Pete. Uh, sports lovers dream at the moment here in London with the World Cup. Wimbledon cricket and, of course, you know, AFL London. So, yeah, couldn't be happier. Uh, just with the World Cup at the moment, you haven't been involved in any riots yet, considering how well the London, the uh, England team's been going? <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw the bloke that fell through the bus stop, but that's about two minutes from my house. So uh, I've steered clear of it myself, but it's definitely around the corner. I hope you haven't been the guy who's fallen through the roof of the car that's been seen on social media. Let's yeah, uh, no, well, there's a young lady that's been caught now, apparently, so she's up for a hefty bill, I think. <laughs> let's have a look at what happened over the weekend, round eight of the AFL London Women's League, and let's start in the Women's Premier Division. Uh, your Wandsworth Demons, 8-12-60, accounted for the West London Wildcats, no score. Yeah, so Friday night footy, uh, Demons hosting the Wildcats to open up our rainbow round. Unfortunately, the old Wildcats are a little bit light on for numbers. Uh, they had a few players falling ill, so maybe some dodgy chicken sausages or something, I'm not sure. Um, but a credit to them because they really battled hard all night. Um, can't confirm any names, but whoever was wearing number three and number 24 for them were instrumental in probably keeping the score less than what it was. And for us, uh, we had Caitlin Trucker Jeffress, who was our best on ground, and one of our New England Vixens girls, uh, Jane Meadows. She was both, they were both awesome. Um, but just the game itself, whilst the scoreline probably wasn't wasn't so good, um, it was played in really good spirits and uh, everyone had their rainbow socks on. She had a photo at the end. I think that sort of you know, encapsulated what Pride Round's all about. At Peckham Rye Park, the Wimbledon Hawks 3-2-20 went down to the South East London Giants 3-5-23. That's it, yeah. Sunday footy at Peckham Rye. So the Giants got their very first win of the season over the Hawks. Uh, sounds like it was a thriller, obviously three points the margin. Now, with those two fighting over the final spot in the finals, uh, that gives the Giants a chance now, obviously depending on how other results go with percentage and that sort of thing. I'm told that for the Giants, Nikki Lowe played a blinder, uh, and she was well supported by Isabel Hall. And I think her name is Shanky VJ, who kicked two crucial goals goals for the Giants. Um, so if we look at the at the ladder for the Prem Division now, still obviously the Demons on top, Lions second, Wildcats third. And then it's the Hawks and Giants equal on points with a bit of percentage between them. So that'll be the decider for the fourth spot, I'd say. Looking to the Women's Conference Division, uh, the Clapham Demons, otherwise known as the Wandsworth Reserves, 4-9-33. Again, defeating the West London Wildcats, who are Krispy Kreme, Donuts, zero. 
Yeah, another tough day for the old Wildcats. Uh, again, yeah, several of their players have been ill. They had to have people back up from Friday night. So I think it was about 9 o'clock finish on Friday night, and then they were back down there for an 8 a.m. start on Saturday. So it's a big effort for them just to even turn up and play. Obviously, the result wasn't much better for them. Uh, I don't even think they had a Ford 50 entry for the whole game. So it was a really tough one. Uh, but again, number 24, she backed up both games. If it wasn't for her, I think we would have kicked a few more goals. And uh, for the Demons, Jenna Steele, the captain, she was dominant and had a lot of assistance up forward from Tracy Hamilton. London Swans, 6-9-45, defeating the Putney Magpies three behinds. A big win for the Swans. So obviously, you know, they've, they've been generally the form team for that division. Um, so they've asserted themselves over Putney with a big 42-point win. Apparently, Putney were missing a few players as well. Um, but for the Swans, Ash Finn was named best on ground, played in the ruck as well as going forward and kicking goals. So they'll be very happy with the win and reclaiming the top spot. If we look at the ladder for that round, uh, for that comp, sorry. We've got the Demons and Swans. They're now equal, well, still equal in top spot with one percentage in between them. And there's a big possibility that the final round of the season will be a virtual semi-final. So whoever wins that game into the grand final and likewise with the magpies and wildcats equal uh, on points as well they'll be battling out for third spot come the last round so it's exciting that league so let's have a look ahead to next weekend all games on uh, saturday the 14th of july for round nine in the women's premier division first of all your wandsworth demons up against the wimbledon hawks yeah so uh with the Giants and Hawks obviously playing for the top spot, sorry, for the top spot, for the fourth spot, there's a lot to play for for the Hawks. So I know we'll be in for a tough game. Uh, and generally, they're one of the more physical sides in the league. So I think come Sunday, there might be a few sore bodies. Uh, for the Hawks, they're without Lisa Wilson and the Clearwell sisters at the, moment, at the moment. So that makes it hard for them. And for the Demons, we've got our premiership ruck, Sophie Croft, coming back from Australia. She's been away for a few weeks. And also... Um, Nora Mulcahy, who captained the Irish Banshees last year, she's been injured for most of the season and we're hoping to get her back in. So I think with a couple of good plays to come back in and the form we're in, we should be able to get the job done, but it's going to be a really tough physical game against the Hawks. That game Saturday, 4.10pm at Clapham Common. Uh, the other women's premiership division game is at Albert Road Recreation Ground. North London Lions hosting the South East London Giants. Yeah, up at Bounds Green, North London, they'll be expected to win. But again, like with the other game, uh, the Giants, they've got a lot of motivation. They're coming off a win. They've had a couple of you know good performances of late, and they're really trying to close that percentage gap, if nothing else, on the Hawks. Uh, it's obviously the smart money on the Lions with their big contingent of GB and England Vixens. Um, but, you know, coming off a couple of good games with Gemma Lowenthal and Janice McCain form, I think the Giants, they might be looking for an upset here. And to the Women's Conference Division, uh, Saturday morning, kicking the jaw off the grass at 9am at Clapham Common. Um, it is the Clapham Demons, otherwise known as the Wandsworth Reserves, versus the Putney Magpies. It should be a good game. They've played twice, and both have been, I think, decided by a goal, well, sorry, less than a goal, um, with one to the Demons, one to the Putney. Obviously, we've seen Putney have had a few players out over the last week or so, um, so that's going to make it tough for them. But I think it'll be really close. And probably whoever wins the ruck duel of Claudia Flynn and Dee Kelly from Putney, uh, I think that could determine the outcome of this game. So looking forward to being a spectator myself this weekend with our twos coach Jimmy back from Australia. 
Um, obviously hoping for the Demons to get a win, but I really think this one will be decided by less than a goal as per the last two occasions. And finally, in the Women's Conference Division at Hackney Marshes on Saturday, the London Swans versus the West London Wildcats. Yeah, the Swans, you'd expect to take a win on this one based on recent events. Um, obviously, in good form on the weekend, had a big win, whereas the Wildcats, they seem to struggle to get going. Obviously, the Cats did have a few plays out with sickness and whatever. They'll be trying to get a few of those back in. Um, but I think with the Swans, they'll be desperate to hold on to top spot if they can. So, yeah, I'd be picking the Swans there in a pretty big win. Well, Mitch, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football and RSN Carnival, and we wish you all the very best this weekend for yet another round of the AFL London Women's League. Thanks very much, Pete. Cheers. Well, that wraps up our program for yet another week. A reminder that our match of the day in the VFL Women's Competition will be this Sunday, 2 p.m., when we bring you Melbourne University versus Hawthorne live on RSN Carnival. Until next week, I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company, and bye for now.